0: Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this: when you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Patterson, and today we are diving into yet another legendary dad movie release from 1993. Tombstone, the Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer-fronted retelling of the gunfire at the OK Corral, and the subsequent Earp Vendetta rides. Joining me to discuss this high point in 90s western cinema is a true genre diehard, David Lambert. When David isn't crafting something figure drawings, he can usually be found talking of a storm about Westerns and Old West history on Twitter, which is how I discovered him. And yeah, we've had a few chats since. I asked if he'd come on the pod and thankfully he said yes. So yeah, needless to say, I'm super chuffed. So without any further delay, David, how's it hanging?
1: Oh, it's hanging all right. It's hanging all right. Hopefully this round goes uh goes well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we did have a few technical difficulties. This is this is the third attempt, but I yes. think we found I think we found the magic, the magic formula.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually recording the podcast, that's the uh, that's the trick, that's the secret. <laughs>
0: So yeah, um, yeah, David. I guess I, usually I start off these podcasts um, asking my um, guest uh, what to them is a dad movie, um, but I suppose I should let you introduce yourself in a little bit more detail um, because I think what you do is really cool, and I'm sure our listeners would like to know more. Oh,
1: uh, okay, yeah. Well, you know, like you said, I do a lot of figure work. Uh, you see a lot of that on Patreon. A lot of naked people uh, <laughs> on there. Lots of drawings of naked folks. So that's your kind of thing. Um, And then, um, yeah, and then I I do other work. I was mentioning the other day uh, to you, I I do some work for the the county coroner. So that's under the sheriff's department over here. And so what I do is I do forensic um, drawings of uh, unidentified victims. So people that don't have fingerprints or dental records on file. uh, I'll do like a composite sketch. And then, uh, you know, they will, uh, they will uh, post that on their, their, their website uh, in the hopes that somebody could potentially identify the person or give some kind of information. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, um, inter- it's an interesting job, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't go to the coroner's office too, too, too much, but, um, if you ever do go into a coroner's office, like back behind where, you know, um, civilians usually go, um, well, at least the one that I work at, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but uh, <laughs> they have uh, uh, like Halloween decorations up year round. So like skeletons and mummies and stuff like that. They have a very gallows sense of humor. Kind regarding of, I kind <laughs> regarding, of guess yeah.
0: you need to have <laughs> yes. that when you're doing that kind of job.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Luckily, I, you know, luckily, uh, since I'm it's for me, it's just a case by case basis. So it's not necessarily like mm, a regular thing. It's something I do every once in a while when they have a case. So you know, I still have retained my ability to be like horrified. So that's good.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that is good. I mean, okay. So next, next thing up, next question I have for you is the is the hallowed dad movie question, and then we'll talk a little bit more about westerns. I feel like this is the good one. There's like it's like awkward question to get out of the way before we move into the 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 more seamless chat about westerns. So yeah, um, what to you is a dad movie?
1: Yeah, um, I think that. Well, you know, it's a it's that's a it's a wide that's a wide net that's cast there. But I think one particular type of dad movie um, is I think, you know, I, they 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 want to see stories that are, you know, that have that have a sense of satisfaction. So oftentimes there's revenge or, yeah you know, uh or, or something something that they're proving. It's usually an older guy who's de- who is the hero. Um, and so it's I think I think. A good deal of dad movies are are sort of wish fulfillment, but in a realm of believability. They're not necessarily so much about superheroes and stuff. Maybe dads these days, but dads in my era. But they're more so, you know, about seeing, you know, um, whether it's a a Harrison Ford or a Liam Neeson or a Lee Marvin um, or a Charles Bronson. Uh, they, They like to see those guys kicking ass. They, and it so it's I think it's a wish fulfillment, but with a sense of believability. Dad, dads don't usually like stuff that goes too outlandish. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just listed off wall to wall dudes with those examples. I would have to agree with all of them. Um, yeah, and like Tombstone, I think fits nicely into this bracket because it's you know it's like you could watch it with your dad late on a Friday or whatever, and then you know when spoilers, uh, one of your brothers gets shot. He'd lean over across the room and be like hey uh, if that ever happened to you that happened to my brother I'd, I'd tell them all, I'm gonna uh, hell's coming with me <laughs> yeah
1: exactly I would ride a horse into a barbershop and kill everyone inside <laughs> uh, that's so- exactly the kind of thing that I would do if I was in the old west I think Tombstone is definitely um, one of the ultimate dad movie like dad movie westerns I think
0: yeah no I totally agree I'm a big fan of this film I've seen it god knows how many times um it was kind of like like I got into westerns primarily through like Leone my dad was a huge westerns guy so he'd show them to me when I was younger and I didn't necessarily appreciate them super much but then I kind of when I was in my early teens got into them and it was something that I that he got to reintroduce me to essentially and Tombstone was one of those that he showed me and I was like oh hell yeah this is great which again this brings me to my next question David and that is um because I think most people who listening to this who may be familiar with you from twitter know that you're really big into westerns and old west history um yeah. so i would love to know how you got into that because it's i think it's a cool story
1: oh yeah so you know um you know, growing up in the 80s there was still sort of like the the cultural residue of like cowboys and stuff so as like a kid when i you know up to maybe around the age of six or seven, I was I was actually into cowboys and stuff like that. Um, but then, you know, when, with the Ninja Turtles and Batman and all that stuff, um, cowboys kind of went by the wayside. I wasn't really interested in Westerns. And uh, when I was in high school, I started really getting into, like, uh, action films, Hong Kong action films, John Woo
0: mm-hmm. movies
1: in particular, movies with insane gunfights and stuff like that. So, um I had always kind of heard about the influence that you know the Wild Bunch had had on John Woo and gunfights and Walter Hill and all of these directors that I that I you know loved. So uh, yeah, I checked out the Wild Bunch, blew me away. Um, and then you know from there, I checked out uh, the Leonis and stuff. I, I'd i already seen them on TV as a kid here and there, but um, and I got into actually spaghetti westerns first. And, um, yeah, and then I, you know, I would make these, like, little uh, home movies, and the thing is, I actually lived in an area that was very rural, um, you know, a lot of desert, and my, like, you know, my aunt and uncle, my cousins, you know, three different, you know, my my aunt and uncle, my one cousin, and my other cousin, they all lived on basically the same two streets, and they all had horses and pigs and farm animals and all this stuff. And they had, not only that, they had all their buildings and stuff. Like, their tech rooms were built like a Western town, almost.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: And they, yeah, and they have, like, they're, like, you know, like, reenactors. So, they'll, like, they dress up in, like, authentic clothes. And they ride horses and fire blank guns at balloons and come compete and stuff. And and I thought to myself, like, why, why am I, why don't I make a Western? I have all this access, you know, I have access to all this production value free, um, and that really got me like watching westerns just to even see how do you even write a western you know well what you know just to get a feel for it, and that of course led me to you know uh looking into history uh, what is actually accurate, what's true and what whether the movies get right, what the movies get wrong um and uh yeah, and then that's that's where I'm at right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean that again, I feel like there you've hit the the nail on the head for like why i think you may have chosen tombstone um when we were talking about what Western to talk about for this podcast because that real life history element is there um the stuff with the Buckaroos, which we'll definitely get into as well as we talk about the movie that's there too um so yeah i guess like most specifically like what is it about tombstone that you know you're really drawn to
1: well tombstone and Oh, yeah. And I I should also mention, too, you mentioned how I'm kind of the inverse of most people. You mentioned how your dad would show you Westerns and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. When I started getting into Westerns, I got my dad into Westerns. Not that he'd never watched. I love that. But (laughs) I got him like, you know, as to, you know, it's almost the only thing that he ever watches now outside of like the news, which makes him (laughs) angry. (laughs) So it's basically just the the news and Westerns uh, 24-7 um and then you know and then my mom got into westerns and stuff too and so and they'll go out and like visit like lone pine and they'll be like we're gonna go to the lone pine film festival where they you know where they shot all the bud bedeker movies with randolph scott and a million they shot a million westerns out there um so yeah i mean they're yeah they're really into it so uh yeah the, the child is the father of the man right <laughs> but uh yeah with so with two like um my relationship with two is that it's like I'm almost like I'm almost like a fan of it in spite of myself <laughs> <laughs> because it's a movie that I think uh, overall doesn't really work and I, I think has so many problems, but there's so many great things about it that it's almost it's almost undeniable you know I have to I've over time just grown and you know my respect for it has grown mm-hmm. um, when I first saw it when I was getting into Westerns, I had always heard how great it was. So when I first saw it, I immediately disliked it. I had a very low tolerance for like cheesy stuff, you know? And <laughs> so like when Wyatt Earp like immediately smacks a guy in the face for like hitting his horse and stuff, like, it, you know, I just, I immediately I was kind of repulsed. Like I was like, they're trying to get me to like this guy too much. And when I, when I, when I become aware of that in a movie, it's sort of, it can put me off but especially when I was like younger and in my 20s but but learning more about history and learning more about just all the details of 19th century life in the west and all that um, really made me respect the movie because there's so much detail there's the costuming um, the sets the guns the saddles I mean everything is pretty close to correct it's really honestly probably the best looking western in terms of accuracy historical accuracy since probably the 1930s maybe even the 1920s when you know you were when it was basically the tail end of the old west and you had actually all these old all these westerners appearing in these movies and stuff so that um so that is really probably the most authentic time but but you know from from then on like tombstone is really the one that that uh, i really think brought back um trying to pay more attention to accuracy not having everybody dressed like a rodeo cowboy (laughs) blue jeans and stuff like that so
0: yeah totally I mean I would Uh, definitely agree with you that like I feel the movie is isn't as cohesive as maybe my first watch led me to believe I've rewatched it so many times now um and each time I watch it I do pick up on something else where I feel like okay well this is you know there's there's definitely like different subplots that have been like cut out you know the the back end of the film is basically a bunch of montages, some fun montages. You know, I enjoy seeing Val Kilmer and and uh, and Kurt Russell. You know, just murdering <laughs> dudes. Um, yeah, it's definitely yeah, not as like um, laser focused as the beginning of the movie. So yeah, I, w- I would totally agree. It's like it's one thing that I haven't really appreciated about the film is that level of historical authenticity. Cause despite, you know, I I'm big into my history as well. Like I did history for university. American history was like my big thing. Although I focused more so on like sixties history, seventies history, that sort of stuff. Um, And it's never really been like a, like a thing that I really picked up on. But when we first had our chat the other day and you were mentioning all the costuming stuff and you know, the different reading materials you forwarded along before we recorded and stuff like yeah the, the the level of historical attention to detail in this film is beyond impressive like it might be one of the best in terms of production design costume design one of the best and most authentic things that i've ever seen and um the fact that you know the bookaroos that they got involved that kind of like added that extra layer of authenticity to it and the fact that it got their approval as well is probably a huge testament to how well you know kevin jarre when he was you know mastermind the project got it
1: yes yeah yeah exactly and and that really is the thing i guess i guess we could jump into the uh maybe a little bit the backstory the making of the movie uh if you if you want we can talk about kevin jarre oh absolutely uh, i
0: will um i'll give a quick synopsis of the movie before we do that because i remember when we first oh, did yes, this the other night i completely yeah. forgot but yeah so for people who's who don't know about Tombstone. Um, It is based on the real-life events of the gunfight at the OK Corral and what came to be known as the Urp Vendetta Ride. So um, a lot of people who may not be familiar with Westerns should ideally, I think, know who Wired Earp and Doc Holliday are. You know, i up oh, there with Billy the Kid in terms of notoriety and like um the most famous characters, legendary figures in real life old West history. Um so the movie begins with the Earps. Um so you have Wyatt played by Kurt Russell, um Morgan played by Bill Paxton, uh Virgil played by Sam Elliott in Immaculate Moustache, all of them in Immaculate Moustaches. Um arriving yes. in Tombstone, Arizona after after Earpston as um he was in Dodge City before that, wasn't he?
1: um yeah well he did work in Dodge City before that not like right before or at least I don't think the movie says that he's coming from Dodge City yeah I don't I don't they
0: don't they don't but But, yeah
1: yeah but he had worked in Dodge City and that's one of the things that the movie kind of overstates how famous he is at that time he wouldn't have been that famous for what he had done in Dodge City you know how like everyone in Tombstone is like it's Wyatt Earp (laughs) they're all trying to get him to clean up he didn't really have that level of fame. In fact, he never was an actual like full on like sheriff or full on marshal of a town or a county, um, uh, or you know. So he he always was like a deputy sheriff or a deputy marshal or something like that. The movies always kind of portray him as the as like the main lawman in town and and he never was the main lawman in, in any town ever
0: <laughs> so God, this is this is why i'm so excited to have you talk about this film because the real life historical background and stuff is fascinating but yeah so the herbs go to tombstone to basically make it rich um and during this time a big gang of outlaws called the cowboys um led by curly bill brocious um played by powers booth who is immaculate in this movie um, are basically they, they are the law in Tombstone. They are the guys, you know, they control the sheriffs, they control kind of well, the marshals are there, but you know, the cowboys are the law. That's the what is established at the beginning of the film. And uh while the Earps are there to make their fortune, um, circumstances and 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 you know, their inherent uh <laughs> draw towards justice, the whole tagline of the movie is justice is coming, um, basically pulls them into the cowboys orbit and uh a big confrontation and blood feud emerges from there. And um, also Doc Holliday is there and uh, he's played by Val Kilmer and and he's amazing and lots of cool gunfights ensue. Um, If you haven't watched Tombstone, please please do go watch it. It's one of those Westerns that like, I feel like even if you're not into Westerns and first of all, how dare you, um, that is, that is it's a good one for non-Western enjoyers to check out as well. I would say, I don't know if you'd maybe agree with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, I I think that's the case. I mean, in my uh, in my experience, it's probably the Western I hear quoted the most from just random people. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, you know, you're not hearing a bunch of people
0: uh, going around, and, like, you know, quoting, uh, like, volzana's Raid or something.
1: So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Val Val Kilmer is amazing in this movie, Stock Holiday. People, I, I mean, he's has of all those characters that people are probably going to know from the memes at this point. He's, used, he's quoted so much. Um, but, yeah, we... in in regards to Tombstone's production, you know, we've gone into a little bit of the synopsis there. Um, It had quite a triple production, which um, I was aware of before we were doing this, but again, kind of you sent along some of Kevin Jarre's scripts, um, read up on some of like the production background. People may or may not have heard that, you know, Kurt Russell ghost directed Tombstone uh, is what he said. And, you know, he's been backed up by Val Kilmer, who's also said that in different trades and interviews, Um, But yeah, if you if you could go into like the um, the production and Kevin Jarre's kind of, you know, approach the project and how I guess it differed from the finished article that we got from George P. Cosmaris and um, Marcel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Kevin Jarre, he he uh, that's not his actual uh, uh, birth name. He took the last name of Maurice Jarre, the composer of like Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, God. Wow. Uh, I think like <laughs> life and times of Judge Roy Bean and, and, a bunch of other great scores. Um, his mom, like I think married him later, like late in life. He might've been a teenager at that point, but he, he took, uh, he took Maurice Jarre's last name, but, uh, yeah, he got into writing and, and I, and one of his first scripts was, uh, Rambo first blood part two, um, which, uh, was, um, Written either alongside or rewritten by James Cameron and rewritten by whoever else. He claimed that not much of his script ended up in the final product. That movie, ironically enough, was directed by George P. Cosmatos, who will come to haunt him later on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, and then he, you know, he he wrote uh, Glory, which, you know, he got an Academy Award nomination. He became a really hot screenwriter after that, of course. And uh, first he was going to develop a. uh, Dracula project, but, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's was just about to go in production. And so they, they shut that one down and he was very despondent and no one didn't hear from him for like six months. But in that time he was doing all this research and he was writing this, uh, this, uh, script about, uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, or at least his time in tombstone specifically. Um, and so he was doing a lot of research, um, and, and he really crafted this, this really ambitious, huge script, a huge ensemble with all these different characters. And it's, you know, it's, I think the script has some issues. It's not my favorite Western script, but um, it was really what got everybody, all the talent interested in, in, in you know, uh, making this film because it was a completely different vision for a Western um, and for, you know, a Wyatt Earp movie too and um uh his uh his uh, first choice was actually Kevin Costner for Wyatt Earp but Kevin Costner didn't really like um he didn't want it to be as much of an ensemble and he wanted more of Earp's early life and so he went with his own project and you know there's a lot of back behind the scenes maneuvering where you know basically it seemed like Kevin Kevin Costner was trying to get it, the production shut down and all this other stuff um but um uh yeah, so so Kevin Jarry, his first uh, choice. Obviously, he lost Kevin Costner for for uh, Wyatt Earp, but then he was thinking Mel Gibson at one point. Uh, he was, I know he considered, um, uh, Brad Pitt, um, <laughs> uh, for Wyatt Earp and Johnny Depp as as Doc Holliday um he i at one point i know he he thought about uh, casting david bowie as doc holiday oh god but <laughs> you know he kind of had the gaunt look and everything but his southern accent wasn't the best you know so we're probably best that that didn't uh that didn't happen but i think his his number one choice for doc holiday was actually uh willem dafoe but mm. disney was a little skittish because uh he was still controversial from playing uh you know jesus in the last temptation of christ so they were like no you're gonna you know you are have to get someone else so actually the first person that they cast was doc Holliday, um bat kilmer as doc Holliday, and um and then from there they got they got uh kurt russell uh involved and so you know so it was a go um but yeah kevin jari he had never directed anything before so this was his directorial debut and he's the one that really insisted on accurate sets accurate costumes accurate guns you know accurate accurate uh, saddles you know just the the most minor stuff that no one ever really cares about and and it really made the movie look different from every other um western especially ones from the 90s where everything looks like sepia tone you know um and brown and everything and it's very colorful movie and I think the way that they described it was this is not a you know this isn't looking back to the old west this is looking to the new west from the perspective of somebody in the 1800s so you know it's a new boom town it's not going to look like a ghost town you know what I mean and 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 people like to dress colorful and loud back then especially in boom towns you'll see a lot of pictures of 49ers and prospectors and miners wearing shirts with patterns with like you know, pickaxes and stuff on them, mm-hmm. like a little kid would. You know, I love that. Um, <laughs> like they like to show off their, they like to show off their money. They all, they have these old uh, daguerreotype photos that they'll they they would hand like paint gold, like glowing gold on it because they were like showing their chunks of gold they found and stuff. So, but people, so people like to dress up. They, they was still the Victorian times, and you know, and um, one of the things that westerns get wrong uh, is they have everyone in town dressing a cowboy and it's like you know cowboys were a small section of the population um it's like you know it's, it's to think everyone in the old west is a cowboy is to think everyone now is like a landscaper mowing lawns or something you know <laughs> um and so yeah people are not, you know and so this portrays you know that uh, victorian styles the cowboys dress like cowboys but the regular townspeople they dress them with derby hats and you know, cravats and and uh, pinstripes and all that fancy stuff. So just the look of it uh, immediately set it set it apart from other westerns. His problem was that he just had no talent as a director. He he was so he 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 wanted to shoot it like a John Ford movie, which is a tall order your first time out of the gate. And so he was shooting and basically just these master shots of just. No close-ups, no coverage. He had it in his mind that if he didn't shoot coverage, they couldn't take his movie and cut it up because that's how John Ford worked. He just shot what he needed. He edited basically in camera and the studio couldn't really screw up his vision. And so he thought if he worked that same way, that would ha- that's how it would work. Well, it didn't go that way. Um, and so, yeah, he was just wasting a lot of time. He wouldn't listen to his director of photography, who was uh, William Fraker, who directed uh, Monty Walsh and shot a bunch of great movies. And, um, and yeah, he, he just, he would not compromise on anything. He would give the actors line readings, which is a huge no, no in Hollywood. You do not give actors line readings. Um, And, uh, and he, yeah, he just, he, he would, he wouldn't compromise anything. He was a protege of John Milius. And I know that um, they tried to get John Milius to go out there and kind of watch over him, help him. And Milius claims that he actually did offer that, and that Kevin Jare said no. Other people said that um, he just he didn't want to do it. He said that Kevin Jare was doing fine, and he didn't want to kind of step in on his first project or something. Like but that, to me, would have been maybe the best version of Tombstone, having uh, Kevin Jarre being able to maybe filter his vision through. John Mellius, you know, one of the greatest screenwriters, <laughs> storytellers, you know, um, and somebody who, you know, had worked in the industry and who could, you know, uh, could keep him on track. So but um, unfortunately, it did not work that way. And so, uh, yeah, so the studio got rid of Kevin Jare, um, and they were going to shut production down. But uh, Kurt Russell, you know, he didn't want he still believed in the project. He didn't want all these people that had been working on it to be out of work, you know, so he kind of felt responsible. So he took over the movie himself and, and uh, he called up his pal, just Stallone from uh, Tango and Cash. I know you guys covered it on this, show. Very good, um, Sly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so then, yeah. So, so he, uh, uh, and Sly said, oh, I got this guy. And <laughs> basically he said that, you know, Sly said that he, he ghost-directed, you know, Rambo 2. He ghost-directed Cobra that basically George P. Cosmatos was just, you know, he just told him everything, what to do. So so Kurt Russell said, all right. So basically Kurt Russell got George P. Cosmatos in the film and would give him shot lists and basically, you know, tell him how it was going to go. Um, and, uh, you know, George P. Cosmatos had never, didn't know anything about Westerns. <laughs> he was trying to feed like horses meat and stuff. Like he didn't, no. he, he didn't, he didn't understand anything about you know how the west worked or or anything like that so but anyway <laughs> sorry i felt like i went on a big rant there no 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 it's it's
0: interesting because like um <laughs> the last two episodes that we've done it feels like weirdly we've been building a path to tombstone because me and dan did cobra a few months ago oh crack it'll have been in october now and then we ended up doing tango and cash the other week and now george p Cosmada sliced alone and kurt russell have converged <laughs>
1: it's just well they're just all dad movie icons right so yeah <laughs> makes sense
0: you know <laughs> yeah totally. um,
1: but yeah so so um so they ended up having to um cut out a bunch of scenes like initially uh, old man clanton was going to be played by robert mitchum and
0: he was oh scared. man was- that
1: would have been so cool yeah, and he had some actually like amazing scenes in in the in the script, like some real badass great stuff. And uh the movie originally opens with the cowboys ambushing um um a a group of um Mexican rurales, the Mexican police basically, uh in in um, uh, canyon in, in a canyon, which is based on a real incident. I think Skeleton Canyon is what it was called. Um uh and then that got because Old Man Clanton got taken out that got taken out and they changed it to the wedding massacre at the beginning, which is not based on any actual event. Um, But yeah, so they claimed, they claimed at the time because Disney didn't want people to know that it was a troubled production. They claimed that uh, that Robert Mitchum fell off of his horse um, and hurt his back. So he could no longer appear in the movie. Uh, But in reality they had just cut his scenes. Um, But they paid him the full amount just to record an hour's worth of voiceover, so he got a pretty, he got a pretty good deal out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so they brought in a, a writer, John Fasano, who tried to consolidate um, the most important lines and put them put kind of move stuff around. He would talk to the actors and he'd say, you know, why did you why did you take this character? What is important that you're trying to get across with this character? And also, he he'd say, you know. You have four scenes in the script. You can only get three scenes. What do you, you know, what do you want to communicate? What scenes do you want? What do you want to communicate in those scenes? And so that's how he went he went about doing the rewrites um, to get the movie, you know, down to uh, uh, a manageable um, length so that they would actually get finished and put in theaters and everything. And, that's just, and that really is where a lot of the issues start to arise. Uh, especially in the second half because it feels there's a lot of vestigial tales you know vestigial parts uh to the movie that just uh um they they remain but they don't serve that much of a function I still don't understand what Billy Zane is doing in the movie so much (laughs) or really Jason Priestley I know that that he gets Billy Zane gets killed in a stagecoach robbery in a scene that was filmed but not uh, ever put in any cut of the movie and jason Priestley goes and and kills one of the cowboys and stuff but even then that you know well, i don't want to follow that story you know what i mean like uh, i think it's like it, i know. like
0: this one of those that i definitely kind of wanted to see more of and it was interesting when i was watching i dived into like all the special effect well not the special features sorry of uh, the tombstone blu-ray that i had so i watched the making of documentary which again i was completely blown away by the production design and how they would like recreate entire bars right down to the you know period period accurate wallpaper and stuff but I love going into like the classic if there's ever like I can see a classically cheesy 90s trailer in a you know uh special features <laughs> collection I'm gonna be yep. there um and the you know it was interesting to me in these teaser trailers that Priestley had like pretty high billing above most of the other actors well Apart from you know Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, um, Michael Bean and um Dana Delaney, he was up there as like it's like Jason Priestley, and it has the shot of him, I guess, what would have been from the scene where he's lining up his rifle to to waste the cowboys yeah. that that you know killed Billy Zane, who the, the movie heavily implies, you know, is in a, a romantic relationship between the pair of them. I think that's one of those where I'm like, oh man, I would have loved to have seen that. I think you know, as well the um, the romantic kind of love, not tri- well. I guess it is kind of a triangle. but The whole thing between um, uh, Josephine Marcus, who's Wyatt Earp's love interest in the movie, um, his, their romance together, and then obviously you have Sheriff Behan, and there's a whole thing where she's with him, but really she's with Wyatt, and there's a whole affair that's not really telegraphed that well. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the Finnish kind of Tombstone that. That basically got buried and given its own ironic tombstone, um, and it's a shame because I would yeah. love, I would love there to be a reality where maybe this gets like a <laughs> a Godfather Part Three coda kind of treatment, or a sliced alone Rocky Four Grey. Because I feel like, even though I love what's already there, like I'm a huge fan, um, it would be interesting to see what a lengthier director's cut would have maybe looked like.
1: Yeah. I mean, Kurt Russell says that the footage exists. I, I know that he said that and that, and that, that initial interview was, was in true rest magazine. I remember um, reading, I've contributed to that magazine a couple times, oh, but, awesome. uh, uh, but yeah, uh, but he said that he has like, I don't know if he said he personally has it, but he, he says that all, all that stuff exists. So I don't <laughs> Release know if the footage, put it together, <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, the Billy Zane character isn't even based on anyone in history, I don't think. If he was, he definitely wasn't killed by somebody. I think that he was, I think Kevin Jari was just sort of including him, not only because Josephine's an actress, but there's sort of a history of like, in some wider movies, My Darling Clementine and stuff, there's always like a Shakespearean actor that they like to... Hmm. <laughs> bringing the tombstone i guess just because um it, it was actually a common thing like oscar wilde he visited tombstone he'd go around the west giving giving speeches and stuff and people in the west and cowboys they loved him yeah. um, in fact oscar wilde his description of cowboys south, south southwestern cowboys is partially one of the big influences on the look of tombstone because he said that they resembled landlocked pirates and when you look at like when you do look at Curly Bill in this movie, he almost looks more like a pirate than what you expect. He reminds me, of Tim, sort of, he reminds me of Tim Curry
0: in the uh, Muppets Treasure Island. That's what he reminds yeah. me of.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And but that's because that is actually the, the, the case. But yeah, that's how Oscar Wilde described. Me. I don't know if I already mentioned it on this recording. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Walter Hill said that it was the best Western script he's ever read so it was you know high praise indeed (laughs) yeah yeah really it is um and uh you know a lot of my issues with the film um still actually do stem from the script i'm I'm not like i don't um i don't think everything about the the script is the most amazing thing um but um but uh yeah i mean overall it's it's a it really is a really great piece of uh historical fiction um and um and the movie sort of has sort of a push and pull between trying to p- portray things in a pretty accurate way and then sometimes just going off doing something wild like it's not it's not trying to be so popcorn-y as a uh, like a young guns uh, you know like i t- that telling of billy the yeah there's, there's no bon jovi <laughs> yeah but it has this sort of thing where it's like all right you got you made sure that every character has the correct gun that he actually had or the, you know, or he said this specific line of dialogue that's actually from the historical record and this and that. And then, you know, and then, well, we'll just put a scene where Riot, Wyatt Earp rides a horse through a window and shoots everyone. <laughs> like It's like, it's like, you know, it well, kind of
0: reminds <laughs> me, it's like they should have just gone full Joe kid and like had him drive a train.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it, yeah, I think sometimes the movie, my issues is with a lot of the storytelling in it is that it, it's between trying to be historical and popcorn. I think it oftentimes, it oftentimes veers in the wrong direction in, in the sense that, like, uh, obviously, I love historical accuracy in, in a movie. I like to see that. I don't, you know, but I also if a movie completely goes off the rails from history, as long as the movie's good, I'm not that's not where I'm, yeah. I'm going to complain, you know?
0: Yeah, but I was uh, gonna say like the the gunfight at the O.K. Corral. I kind of feel like maybe exemplifies that because that is one of the most gripping shootouts that I've seen in a western. Um, and it's filled like the the way they build the that that explosive confrontation. I love. I think. The film is at its best when it's building, you know, the the herps and the cowboys don't really seek out to to antagonize each other, it just sort of naturally unfolds. Um, and then we get to that yeah. kind of um, which again, you know, depending on the historical record, you know, the, the 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 origins, the beginnings of the gunfight, the okay corral have been debated and and stuff. And I feel like Tombstone does its best to tap into those nuances, but maybe they don't all get left on the screen. But the actual gunfight itself. I love because I feel like when I was I was watching the behind the scenes documentary that's included with the Blu-ray, and they were saying how like the gunfight was meant to have lasted you know X amount of seconds, and this one his shots were fired and stuff. Um, yes, but it's also cool as fuck. Like I, th- th- like everything down from from Doc's wink um, to the bit where he throws the shotgun and he pil- he pulls out. So he's firing like the 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 forty five. He pulls out the lightning. Draw, repeat, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah like yeah, the, yeah. the one that isn't like single action, and um, you know, that great bit where they fan um, the it's it's the younger Clanton, isn't it? It's not Ike, it's the other it, one,
1: uh, um, oh, yeah, when they're, yeah, when they're when Doc holiday's shooting them. Well, there's two parts to it, and the thing is, like, it is up to that point, and maybe still is, probably the most authentic. Um, retelling of the Ok Corral gunfight. i um, the one in Wyatt Earp is also pretty close. That one has some issues, but, but also like once again, it's like they go through all the uh, uh, work of like, okay, he shot him, he shot him. Make sure it's, you know, make sure this is a, a authentic to the to the record and everything. But then it has the scene where I Clanton runs into the studio, like the, the photography studio, and is shooting at them, which never <laughs> happened. And not only that they have Josephine Marcus taking a nude photo at, (laughs) at the, at the place, which is this famous misidentified photo that they claim is, is actually Josephine Marcus. And it's, it's actually uh, some, some actress from like the 1920s anyway. uh, So they put like stuff like that in there so that Josephine Marcus comes out right after the gunfight and he can see her. And then his wife, Wyatt (laughs) wife just so happens to be there to see them looking at each other. And it's like, it's so it's it, It feels so, like, there's a way of, like, economic storytelling where you're kind of putting everything together so that it's cohesive – but then it gets to a level of like, okay, really. <laughs>
0: but but I will say really this: have- I love that bit specifically because not the bit where they come out and they have that awkward glance because I feel like there's a lot of weird bits where it's Wyatt and and Josephine looking at each other in the street when they haven't really in the finished cut. You know, there's no there's no affair going on there. Whereas um, you know the trailers very much allude to like that scene where they have the 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 sexually charged horse riding bit and yeah the trailers show that they actually do kiss and get it on uh which isn't in the finish cut at all um but one thing i do like about that bit where where ike who played by steven La- steven lang by the way and i think you know re-watching it the other day he was the guy who stood out the most to me like i feel like i love kurt russell and val kilmer in this so much but he is so good as Ike Clanton. um but it's yeah, the he's really the bit where he where he dives in and that's what causes Doc to start, you know, dual wielding and firing. And it's that really cool shot where he's firing as he's getting into cover. And I'm like, I mean,
1: and, and, yes. and, well, I mean, and it is it is a very cool scene. It is, <laughs> it, is de- it is definitely a cool shot when they're shooting at each other. It's just kind of a funny thing to me, like, to go through the, all the work and mm-hmm. try to make sure mm-hmm. everything's accurate. And then be like, we want to get a little more gunfight in there, though. <laughs> just because, you know, so... Which is fine, but it's just the movie's always kind of like, it's always funny to see where is their line between trying to be historically accurate and where they're trying to be entertainment. And and uh, sometimes they hit it really well. Well, with the character of Doc Holliday, they hit it very well. You know, he's maybe in real life was a little bit more unpleasant. He was probably a little closer to Dennis Quaid's portrayal. Mm-hmm. You know, that is one of the things that's kind of when like they ask him like, you know, um, uh, like uh, I think it's Turkey Creek, Or one of, or or one of one of those two guys, Texas
0: Jack, uh, (laughs) Texas
1: Jack, Texas Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he asks him why he's doing it, and he says, you know, what, or it's my friend. Whoops, my friend. You know, (laughs) friend. Yeah, and uh, he goes, I got lots of friends. He's like, I don't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that's you know, okay, cool. But when you see the movie, you're like, why? Why wouldn't you like? You're, I mean, you're the coolest dude. Hang out with this guy. Like, he's the coolest fucking guy. Whereas, Uh... like, like, in like, uh, Dennis Quaid. Portrayal, you're like oh yeah
0: i can see why no one left. no one i left. it's one of those where i'm like i i totally get what um what kurt russell says when he says that i spent so much time on that movie directing and doing everything else that i didn't leave much of myself to really do the do wired up justice i think he's a functional wire i do like him in this i think he's you know it's peak sexy kurt russell you know and he, yeah <laughs> he has he has a great he has a great stage presence um yeah and like the only the only big failing that I think this thing has, apart from you know the lack of cohesion in the third act, is that that kind of you know, that 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 loving kinship between Wyatt and Doc. Um, you know, Val's given it, you know, Kilmer's given it everything throughout all this. And I fully believe that, you know, he genuinely loves Wyatt. And I think there's meant to be some kind of like subtextual element there where it's like, you know there's that you know it's it's like ice it's like um opposites attracting and i love that kind of like you know even though doc is not a paragon of you know law and order or whatever yeah. he still wants to bat for his buddy because he believes in you know loyalty um i feel like i totally buy that he would you know give up everything for Wyatt which of course you know he eventually does um but the their relationship i feel that on the only the Wyatt only really realizes at the end, and we Russell really kind of, th- that moment where, you know, Doc's lying on the bed, which, you know, Val Kilmer actually laid in a bed of ice, I think, for several hours to look <laughs> as dead <laughs> as possible for that part. Um, yeah. And um I feel like that's the, the, the one time in the movie where I buy that, you know, Wyatt cares just as much about Doc. Obviously, they have this stuff with Charlton Heston's ranch where, you know, he's looking after him. Uh, And then you know that that look of gratitude at the end when he goes to fight Johnny Ringo in his place. But I do kind of feel like that, that loving, that loving aspect doesn't really come through until the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a a good observation because, um, because I like, because I like Kurt Russell. I mean, who doesn't like Kurt Russell? We all love Kurt Russell. Big Kurt
0: Russell fans Um, in the podcast.
1: (laughs) But he's always kind of never fully worked for me in this movie i think that i i would agree he's he's functional i i i think that with the whole production on his shoulders i don't think he i don't think he got the time to uh really um develop an angle on Mm. Herp. you know what i mean i think that i think that there's a way I, i think there's a way that he plays every scene that is i guess maybe obvious in a way that it's just nothing there's not a lot of um there's just there's not a lot there I think. And that and that's maybe part partially the writing too. It's one of those things where like I was saying earlier is that he's already such a likable presence that when like a movie is going out of its way also in the writing to make me try to like the character, <laughs> it's like too much. He's he's already he's already like a charismatic performer. So I almost want to see him to be a little bit more of a bastard because mm-hmm. I think that would give an an edge or an angle to him.
0: They really didn't need to dive into that that affair angle, I think, just to really throw up the ambiguity a bit more. Because the one thing I do get from from reading up on it and seeing what the cast would run to the script is that we're like, oh, every character is fully developed and well rounded, and there's nuance here. And not every character is perfect, you know. Wyatt is going out here to basically get rich or whatever. But the Wyatt that we get in, in the in the finished movie, you know, even though he he does have flaws. You know, he he's straight up executing people in cold blood. By the time he gets to the third yeah. act, you know, it's um, yeah. it's maybe not as um, full colored as they would have in the the original script had it.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna make one just just one more critique. Oh, I, know you, I know you like the I know you like the this this uh, show to be a little bit more positive, and I'm sure a lot of <laughs> people are listening to because they like Tombstone and they don't want to hear me shitting on it. Of course. you're not
0: shitting on it. It's all interesting,
1: <laughs> but. uh, Yeah, but uh, it was like I I said on our other non recording (laughs) um, uh, um, that, you know, it's like that same push and pull between history because, you know, Wyatt Earp did not kill Ike Clanton. And so the movie does not show him killing Ike Clanton, which is cool. That's great. But my problem there is then they have this scene that I don't think they need to have. It's, It's, they're trying to, they're trying to sometimes. Trying to tell your story completely visually can backfire. Um, uh, it's always something good to shoot for. It's the purest form of cinema. Sure, sure. But sometimes. So when you have a scene where it's Wyatt Earp and, and Doc Holliday chasing Ike Clanton and he throws his red sash off and they decide, well, we won't kill him now. We'll just let him go. As if this guy who's continuously been trying to kill them, who has been involved in both assassination attempts, yep. who's, who's, always, who's always starting shit and running away. The fact that he throws off his red sash and they go, okay, cool. Like, we won't yeah. do that. I mean, he could seen have easily been like the... lynching people. Well, no, yeah. Like,
0: we've got that really great bit where they're in the opium <laughs> den and he literally blows some dude's head off. Like, he makes his peacemaker out to be a hooker pipe. Um, yes.
1: Yeah. Which is one of the silliest. <laughs> yeah. Scenes.
0: Yeah. But it's like, yeah, no, totally rude cause, like, I totally agree. Because, like, Ike. Ike is totally the guy who kills Morgan in this movie. I know, like Johnny Ringo is also maybe the chief architect, but I feel like I. Ike...
1: Well, I mean, they literally catch him trying to trying to kill um trying to kill Virgil when he's leaving uh yes. the train.
0: You know, when when uh, uh,
1: Stillwell gets murdered, so so you know, and he lets him go in that part. So it's just like, you know, that maybe someone. It just doesn't. It doesn't tell them I'm coming like I, I think that either either completely just go hollywood because mm-hmm. you know johnny ringo was not killed by doc Holiday. doc Holiday and wider were were um they were subpoenaed i think in colorado a completely different state they doubted they'd left arizona by the time johnny ringo was killed because they had a bunch of indictments because they'd murdered so yeah. many cowboys <laughs> um, so so you know they weren't even in the area um and johnny ringo a lot of people think he commits suicide that's what the coroner report said but you know they, they they there was some historical leeway there but it's like to me it's like well either either kill ike clanton or just have a scene where he's like i'm getting the fuck out of here and then we hear about it later you know what i mean a scene yeah. where, where they where they have him in their sights and they decide not to kill him it just doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you've seen wider lynching people and riding horses through the windows of barbershops.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. totally. So,
1: but, uh, but you know, so those are my, those are my critiques, my criticisms, but, but, um, you know, like I said, that most of the dialogue is pretty great. Uh, good period, uh, you know, vernacular, um, the scene between Wyatt Earp and Billy Bob Thornton. I love that
0: scene because I won. <laughs> like if I, I can't, I couldn't pull it off. But I, I think, I think Kurt Russell makes pull that smoke wagon like a, a smoke wagon. It's such a cool <laughs> fucking line. And that and the bit were as well, where um, where uh, curly bills just come out and murdered the the marshal, and um, Wyatt comes out and apprehends him, and then I, you know, goes to him. And he's like, ah, oh, he's bluffing. And then, like, he puts the gun to his head, and he's like, "Your friends might like, get me in a rush, but not before I turn your head into a canoe." I'm like, I love that. I love that yeah. so much.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Jari is really good at writing those, like, you know, he sometimes to a fault, but but you know, how can you not love it? He really, he always lets somebody, you know, set it up so that the guy has the coolest fucking thing. Like, you're so drunk. <laughs> you're probably seeing the <laughs> I got two guns, one for each of you, you know? Cinema. Uh, yeah, Stephen Seeking Foster, Frederick fucking Chopin, or, oh, you know, all, I love those, it. all right. those lines.
0: Val Kilmer uh, in this movie is, he, like, he, as an actor, like, I've, I don't know if you ended up, I don't know if you've seen the documentary he did the other year, which was, um, you know, about his career, and, It's a really, it's really. I would, I would definitely recommend it. It's a really soulful look because it gives me the impression that Val Kilmer, you know, is an actor who was always struggling to express himself at the creative levels that he wanted to. um, Yeah, which kind of you know culminates with Batman Forever, where you know he spoke afterwards how it felt like he he was playing an action figure. You know, it wasn't a role anymore, and I feel like Doc Holliday is probably the closest we. You know, obviously, you know he did he did play you know in The Doors as well. A lot of great performances in Val Kilmer's locker, but I feel like Doc Holliday that sits at the throne and really shows how much talent and charisma he had. He he steals the show in this, and you know from... he's really
1: honestly he's the reason that that the movie is still talked about. This is mm. he's the re- he's the thing that people remember about this film.
0: Yeah, that and I, the badass walking. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, sure, certainly, certainly. <laughs> I mean, they they had. It was so good, they had to put it in the credits too. They had so much like a <laughs> They well knew enough. they knew that they had to show it again. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, you know, you love to, uh, uh, Western guys making their long walk. I mean, it's one of the staples, it's always fun, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's like, no, he is great in it, and he has such a like really crazy, uh, weird take on it. I mean, outside of just the way he's written, but just his portrayal is not what you would would you ever expect you know it's uh it's a it's a really he's a really strange uh character really great performance and i know that it's his i think it's his favorite role i think that his he named his autobiography uh i'm your huckleberry so mm. i think that he's pretty fond of it so he he really is the he is the he is the best part of the movie um and uh and and him and and like you said Stephen lang is yeah, you know, one of the great cowboy drunkards i mean just the way he looks i mean he he looks like he stepped out of a frederick remington painting and apparently he was drunk for most of the movie um (laughs) to get the character i was gonna say let's
0: not say that's a character immersive element (laughs) i I totally buy it that bit where he um where it's after wyatt has um it's it's after the it's after the gunfight the, the OK Corral and certain so or No 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 it's not. It's it's the bit where they've after they've put the law in to ban guns going at a tombstone, and um, they're at the the gambling table and Doc's been up for like forty eight hours or whatever, and then Mm-mm. that he like slaps the bartender there like that is um I can, yeah. he looks steaming in that scene.
1: Yeah, you really it really yeah he really communicates it just on his face like. He's he really seems drunk and angry. It does not there's very little seems actorly about him. I and mean, yeah. he's one of those actors that like that, you know, it's like you see him in so many things and after a while you're like, Oh, that's him. Oh, it's, oh honestly, that I have that so car. many times
0: with this. Like there's um Thomas Hayden Church um yes, as well. Yes. Like that's a big one. Michael Rucker here is like so cool as uh Sherman McMasters. He has a great outfit. Um, yeah. going on there Dana Delaney um, obviously like she did a bunch of voice work for the DC cartoon she was Lois Lane in the Superman cartoon and um, Andrea Beaumont in Master of Phantasm um, but before before we go into the different like, cast members I do need to like share like <laughs> I... so there are obviously loads of great doc quotes in this movie the one that I feel like might be okay there are two there are two I mean there are so many but my two favourites in terms of like peak doc holiday sass the first one is when we're introduced to him. And uh is it's it's Frank Stallone's character. Is it Ed Ed Begley? Is that it?
1: Uh Ed, Ed Bailey. Ed, Ed Begley Ed. is the uh, yes. uh, actor, environmental <laughs> actor actor. <laughs> yes, I can really go. Yeah, Ed He'd Bailey. Seven,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. But he's like, um, why well, Ed, if we weren't friends, I don't think I could bear it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then and the bit where Billy Bob Thornton has come back out with his shotgun, and um he's like, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't notice you there. You may go now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then,
1: and then, uh, yeah. Leave the shotgun. And then Billy Bob <laughs> like, thank you, yeah. thank you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, yeah. Billy Bob is is great in the movie. He, uh you know, uh, his dialogue with Wyatt Earp is scripted, but the dialogue at the actual card table, like, you know. Uh, Get that seagull out of my face. feel like I'm playing cards with my brother's kids or whatever. That's all, like, him just improvising.
0: He's unrecognizable um, in this, by the way. Like, I really... Yeah. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, my God. That's Billy Bob Thornton.
1: Well, yeah, I remember... You know, I remember seeing him and stuff leading up to, like, Sling Blade, like... Like, uh, that Steven Seagal movie, what? On Deadly Ground or something? Mm. He's got
0: this
1: He's got this weird part about, like... like That a gun, movie, like, man. The, yeah, it's but so I'm I actually was first introduced to Chubby Billy Bob Thornton and then when he got to like his thin like big big like teeth big capped teeth like mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie vial of blood face mm-hmm. um that's when he that's 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 the new Billy Bob Thornton to me and this is the Billy <laughs> Bob Thornton I know there are the two Billy
0: Bob Thorntons <laughs> inside all of us
1: <laughs> Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> um but yeah, um, like but yeah. I feel I feel like you know um I did, I did want to ask you as well, like a few history related things that in addition to this, because like um, two of the guys that sent out to me, you know, when we get to the uh, Vendetta rides and it's, um, you know, obviously Morgan's been killed and and Virgil having now lost the use of his arm has, um, has fled Tombstone. Um, so the the Vendetta rides occur with, with um, Wyatt and Doc, and then also um Shimmer of Masters leaves the Cowboys and joins them. And then we have Turkey Creek, Jack Johnson, uh, Jack Johnson, um, yes. and then uh, Texas Jack, um, who's played by Peter Sharieko. Um, yes. And that's something I wanted to ask you about, because like he, from from what I read, uh, he was a friend of Kevin Jarro's and like he, it's not like an actor yeah. actor, but he is like part of the Buckaroo group
1: yeah well he had he's he's worked in like film for a long, long time small parts he pops up like in death wish four uh <laughs> i think
0: oh, i haven't uh, seen uh, any of the death, death, death wish sequels i know that that's a that's a bad oh, thing i have a friend who who's like you well, need to see all these and the friend is dan
1: <laughs> okay yeah well part three is 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 my favorite of them all but he i think he's in part four but he would do westerns here and there and he knew about history and And he'd be, you know, he'd work on some Western TV shows or in the 80s and stuff. And uh, he'd be like, these rifles aren't right or these saddles aren't period correct. And and the, um, you know, the uh, producers or the technical advisor or the prop master or whoever, they'd all be like, the audience doesn't know. They don't care. Um, And that is actually true, you know. (laughs) And and the thing is, like, I know about a lot of stuff, but but if the movie's good, I don't. I don't care if the guns aren't exactly right. I like to know about it. I'll point it out and everything, but uh, it doesn't—it doesn't like hurt the movie for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so he started his own kind of company where he, you know, would have would provide accurate saddles, accurate guns, and stuff like that. And he was friends with Kevin Jarre. and um, and uh, so so yeah, so he got a part in the film, and and because of because they were making so many westerns at that time uh obviously Wyatt Earp uh was being made in in the same general area in Arizona and um and then Geronimo Walter Hill's Geronimo movie mm-hmm. there was a Geronimo TV movie a lot of westerns were being made after Dance of Wolves and Unforgiven had been so such big hits and one best picture and all that um and um so they you know there all the prop houses all the costume shops everything was all rented up so they had to get like a lot of fashion, women's fashions actually from Europe, um, uh, which was, which was actually more accurate because that's actually how they dressed in boom towns and successful towns like Tombstone at the time. And then you, and so they, they had to make uh, all the principal actors, they had to make all that stuff from scratch, you know? And so, and, and that's one of the reasons it's so authentic, but they also, Peter Shireko got these guys called the Buckaroos. And, and they're basically, they're historical reenactors. They ride horses. They have at, at least three guns, a pistol, uh, a Winchester, uh, or, or a pistol, a rifle, and a shotgun. And it's all period correct, all period correct clothing. And a bunch of them just were on set. They camped out on set. Um, and uh, they just lived like cowboys. And they really kind of gave the movie a really authentic look at a really cheap price because these guys had all the all the experience they had they could ride they could shoot and they had all their props with them so it was really uh uh you know it it was a blessing in disguise that all these other westerns being made because it really set the look apart you know and later movies like ride with the devil which i consider very one of if not the most authentic western of all time use that same technique of Getting reenactors who have all their stuff and you know can provide authenticity uh, and at a very you know at a very reasonable price. So mm. uh, and so you know that's that's you know where Peter Shireko how he worked on the film. So yeah, um, Ride with the Devil is and, one
0: that I'm looking forward to watching because you've recommended that to me. I'm looking forward to watching that one.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. It's not like. Uh, it's not the most crowd policing but it's a very authentic um film uh it's an angley movie some people don't really even consider it a western because it's takes place in the civil war and it's really about like confederate guerrillas and stuff but i kind of consider it a western because that's how jesse james became jesse james yeah and so i think that you know uh i think it's close enough it it, it 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 falls into my definition of what a western. is. If
0: Josie Wales is a western and Good, the Bad, and the uglier are westerns, then like you know, they all yes, civil war yeah. adjacent. So yeah.
1: So yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a lot to love about about Tombstone. I I, uh, it, I it it grows in my estimation. It's a movie for being a movie that I really disliked when I first saw it, <laughs> and that I still have a lot of issues with and that i still think doesn't quite work it's a movie that i could watch at any time if it's on tv you know i can put it on at any point um and i love to read about the back behind the scenes stuff i love to read about the historical stuff i love to read the various drafts of the script and everything so you know if for 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 a movie that i just like i put a lot of (laughs) time research and hours watching. no it's cool because it's so
0: fascinating as a movie like even though like i i I very much enjoy Tombstone for what it is. Um, it's one of those that I get a new appreciation for every time I watch it because I learn something new about it. And like, I've learned so much from this chat with you and the stuff that you you sent to me, um, learning about Kevin Jarry's, how his version kind of, you know, was set up and how it differed from what we eventually got. And it's, um, it's one of those where it's like, oh, I, I've always felt as if it was like, oh, it's just a fun Western but the more i learn about it the more i'm like oh no there's a level of commitment to authenticity here that makes it unlike and you know most of the westerns up until that point for many decades like you said um and it's, to me, it's 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 kind of tinged There's a slight element of like you know sadness and tra- like and, and regret there with the fact that Jari wasn't able to bring his vision to life and i think what you said about um john Milius, you know him being involved and having potentially had a, a more established director to to really shepherd and and guide the vision um would have maybe resulted in you know something you know even better um but yeah no it's it's, it's i i'm a bit i'm a big fan of the movie um i mean and, regardless
1: yeah. regardless how i i mean and it's i guess i you know with questions especially i you know i sometimes work on two levels like I can almost, I can pretty much enjoy almost any Western on some level. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I've got sort of my like, cr- like critic's hat on, where I go, well, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. But then there are, there's this other level to the movie that I just, it's very watchable. And look, it, it's how the, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. I mean, it's considered a classic. And people love him. I'm, you know, so I'm in the minority in that regard. But <laughs> at the same time, like I said, I can say I don't like it. But if I'm putting this much, you know, effort into it, clearly I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to, to an extent, to some, to some degree. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad that I, I got on here. You gave me the opportunity to talk yeah. about the film. I hope that uh, that its admirers. Uh, I hope I, I haven't offended them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. I'm sure they will come away with a new appreciation for the movie. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is Tombstone. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute blast hearing your western thoughts. Um, again, I always enjoy diving into your Twitter threads on old west history and westerns, and this is, I mean, like this has really lived up to that. So, so thank you so much for for giving me your time um yeah
1: yeah i i will uh i'll be once this is out i'll i'll do a i'll do a whole twitter thread with well i'll I'll, uh i'll i'll throw in some different tombstone uh (laughs) threads that i've already written some background and stuff oh Uh, yeah some interesting interesting stuff um i don't know if you saw the thread about virgil Earp, like when he got shot in the arm like so you know when virgil Earp got shot in the arm which was shown in the movie they had to remove Part of his like elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that arm was useless from then on and it would actually bend the other way. So oh wow, that's a cool potty he a, trick. He was still a lawman, and so like there's like firsthand witness accounts of like him riding in a posse with with uh, one hand just flopping going one arm oh, wow. going that's the opposite a... way yeah. while he's riding. <laughs> but anyway, the guy who removed the bullets uh from him, and I think work with on Morgan Earp too. I don't know. Anyway, he, he was, uh, he started noticing these weird cases where, you know, the Cowboys in the movie, they wear those big silk bandanas, those big silk handkerchiefs. He noticed these multiple different cases of guys being shot and they getting they died. Right. But when he looked, it was like the silk bandana was like sunk in you know and Hmm. the thing is silk is woven in a way that it absorbs like uh you know all the velocity and stuff and so if you shot someone with like a silk bullet the silk wouldn't actually tear it would go in the person's body so he developed the bulletproof vests the silk vests um uh, he he, uh he, he did all these studies about making bulletproof vests out of silk and then this other guy from eastern europe he came over and and started selling these vests for like thousands of dollars to like gangsters and stuff in the early 1900s. And so the so the guy who actually removed the bullet from uh, Virgil Earp's arm is sort of the foundation of, uh, of uh, the bulletproof vest. So oh, wow. I've got different crazy threads about that. Threads about Wyatt Earp trying to salvage his reputation in Hollywood and all that stuff. So um, yeah, so if anyone wants to hear a lot of weird... Um, historical minutia related to Wyatt Earp and Tombstone and all that. Um, check out my Twitter, uh, David yes, Lambert Art.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> do because I feel like we forgot to talk about. We can't. We run out of time here, but we in the lost recording you mentioned to me about the egg wars, which sounded like the coolest, most craziest shit oh, ever. So yeah, we'll have to do that. Yeah. I'm going to have to get you back to talk about another Western, so you can regale everyone with uh, the egg chat.
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. But yeah, so David Lambert Art, that's my Patreon, that's my Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and my Twitter. Um, the Twitter is where I post all the Western stuff, and some of my art, the other places where all my art is. So if you want to see drawings of naked people, um, go to my Patreon, or my uh, Instagram, or my Facebook. If you want to hear Western stuff, uh, go to my Twitter. David Lambert Art, all of it.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, that closes the door on another episode of we love dad movies before we go i want to give a quick shout out to my patrons thank you chris darby george jackson thomas Mulgrew, shaka and josh brown remember you can go support the we love dad movies podcast at patreon and be sure to follow the podcast as well on twitter at we love dad movies you can follow me on twitter too at you and ruins things i'm also on instagram and Letterbox. So yeah this has been the we love dad movies podcast thank you once again for dave for joining us uh and we will see you next time. I've got a few other 1993 movies to talk about this year and by a few, I mean a lot 1993 big year for dad movies. It's a great time. We're living our best 1993 30th anniversary party <laughs> at the minute. <laughs> but yeah, uh David, thank you again. Um and yeah, we'll we'll see you all next time.
1: Bye. No, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> see ya. <laughs>